Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce, and I'm pretty pumped about the topic today. I have the privilege of giving a recap, an overview of the, the top takeaways and highlights of the second annual content and commerce summit put on by Digital Marketer. And uh, my team and I love the event. We, we walked away with a ton of good information, which we're going to share with you today. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify Pages, taking the pain out of building powerful, high converting e-commerce landing pages. If you're on Shopify, you have to check out Zipify Pages and also one-click upsells built by my friend and e-commerce entrepreneur Ezra Firestone. Check it out at zipify.com. My guest, a good friend of mine and marketer, content marketer extraordinaire, uh, <laughs> event master, Mr. Russ Hinneberry. How's it going, Russ? What's going on? Hey, thanks man. for having me on, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's always always fun to have you on the show and always good to chat. And uh, man, what an amazing event. Now, we're going to do something kind of cool. We're going to do our top 10 takeaways from the event. And we'll go kind of rapid fire. We'll alternate. You've got five. I've got five. Yep. Uh, it might be kind of cool. People vote on their, their favorite one. That would be fun. But I thought it'd be kind of cool before we dig into that, if you could kind of let people know uh, what it is you do for these events, because you play a major role in Traffic and Conversion Summit, which is really becoming one of the premier online marketing events in in the country and then in you're helping running content and commerce so what is it that you do at these events and then and then maybe outline what the event week is like just kind of a right. behind the scenes type thing it's cray cray that's what it's like no, <laughs> yeah. so basically what i do for digital marketers anything that has to do with with the instruction the content um whether it's our paid training or whether it's stuff goes on the blog so i direct all that stuff and that includes events. So, um, you know, the programming of the actual things that go on stage, the, you know, you spoke at, at this event, you know, I worked with you on your, you know, what your session was going to be about, what the description of it was, what, you know, how to sort of spin it so that in turn it. So it's, it's best for our audience. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I plan all those, all those sessions and, uh, it's, it's kind of maddening because, you know, it's, there's you know, thousands of people coming and, um, and, and you want to put the best content out there possible. So there's always something more to do. Um, but you know, during the, the week of the event, um, you know, mainly what I'm doing is working with all the different teams we have in place. Uh, we have a, a team that, that meets the speaker. So you probably had a concierge, Brett. Yep. I'm yep. imagining. Yep. Jenna, she was um, fantastic. So yep. Right. So Jenna meets you, you know, she's, so I'm working with that team. I'm working with the social media team who's distributing, you know, sort of covering the event as journalists. Um, I'm working with the video team to make sure we're capturing as much of this content as possible so we can use it in other places. So yeah, it's just, you know, kind of coordinating everything um, as we lead up, you know, right into the middle of it. And then once it, once it kicks off, of course, like you, turn around and it's over. So it's just <laughs> exactly. kind of crazy. Exactly. It is, it is a whirlwind for sure. And, and I've, I've put on small events, so I know like a tiny glimpse of the, of the madness that is events, but uh, I've always been impressed A uh, digital marketer, you guys do it right. Uh, you know, traffic yeah, conversion you. is a phenomenal event and, you know, I'm always blown away by the the quality of the speakers and just the, the smooth, how smooth the event is. And, and even people like Carrie, who kind of run the exhibitor uh, section, yeah. she's phenomenal. So uh, anyway, kudos to you guys. 
Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's do this. Let, let's dig in. Let's do our, our top 10 takeaways. This will be all education and and really some some phenomenal stuff. You guys interviewed some really big brands uh, like Casper and Chegg and Rue La La and several others we'll mention. Yep. Um, and then there are also just some great subject matter experts. So we'll kind of pull our top five each. So you lead us off for us. What's what's your first one? All right. So so one of the my, my favorite interviews there was with Fossil Watch. Um, I had Josh Lee on the stage and I interviewed him uh, about he, he's director of their search advertising. So he's running AdWords, Google display, uh, product listing ads, a lot of these things. And, and just like you, Brett, he's, he's really, really sharp when it comes to this stuff, but his main takeaway and something that I thought was, was really cool was, was, you know, how much the devil is really in the details with your search advertising and how finite and granular you can get with, um, these audiences, right. And, 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 you know, that really in the long tail where you've got these sort of small audiences, maybe small volume of search or interest in something that when you set up enough of these smaller audiences and, and, and target these ads, super, uh, sort of granular that in the aggregate, these things add up to actually being, you know, a massive piece of the pie. And in a lot of cases, larger than say the big fat head of the curve would be. Um, so example, you know, that he gave was, um, you know, talking about, you know, something simple to think about, which was people that have been on his website, people versus people that have not. Right. Um, and then people that have been on the website and looked at a certain watch, um, if he can map that back to to different demographic information like gender, um, where they are, what time of day they search. So he's getting super, super granular with these audiences and, you know, finding that out there in the long tail is really where where it's at right now. Yeah, I love that. And I actually I had a chance to chat with Josh in the the green room, the speaker room. Mm -hmm. And uh, just instantly he was one of those guys that that my impression was. This dude's pretty smart. Right. This guy really knows knows what he's doing. And, and it was funny. He actually came up to me after my talk and he said, Man, I liked your talk better than mine. And I was like, what, whatever. <laughs> whatever. All those great compliments. I love to give the compliment, but uh, I think it was just him being humble. But it's so important looking at at audiences. And that's something I talked about a little bit in my talk with uh, the full funnel dream team. And and so looking at if you're going kind of upper funnel or, you know, things that are areas that are more competitive, definitely layer in audiences, but then also the reverse, looking at going really long tail and looking at, at these long in-depth keywords, looking at audiences there yep. as well. And, and what I love about that, and I'm glad he mentioned it, glad you put it on your, your top five list is, yeah, if you look at all of the long tail, even though each individual long tail keyword may not have that much traffic, you put them all together and it's actually much larger than the head. Uh, but we all get obsessed with our keyword research tools and, and looking at, well, look at look at the volume of this, you know, one word keyword. Right. Uh, yeah, but that, you know, that may not be where it's at. Look at the long tail. And so uh, phenomenal. Love it. Okay, so that's the number one. So my number one, or this would be, I guess, number uh, two uh, on the, the top 10 list. Uh, comes from Roland Frazier and uh, really grown to love that dude. He is super smart. He's one of those guys where you listen to his presentations 
and you think, man, I could be doing so much more. Why am I, why am I thinking so small? Like, why am I not trying, you know, his whole deal is like 10 X your business. Don't just try to grow it, but 10 X it. And so one of his presentations that I really enjoyed was the, the Bezos blitz and talking about uh, how Amazon approaches business growth. And there was all kinds of really good tactical things in there, uh, you know, about your sponsor product ads and, and several other things that were cool. But one of the, the things that he mentioned that I think is pretty evergreen and then something that we need to all think about is a, a quote from Bezos where Bezos says, people always ask me what's going to change over the next 10 years. But a better question to ask is, what's going to stay the same in the next 10 years? Because those are the things that I'm going to build my business on, the things that are going to stay the same. So, you know, and he mentioned, Bezos mentioned, I don't foresee a time when people are going to say, yeah, you know, I ordered this part. I wish it would take a little bit longer to get here. Or, you know, I'd like to pay just a little bit more for the opportunity to buy this product. You know, no, people are always going to want low prices, always going to want fast delivery. They're always going to want increased selection, things like that. So those are kind of the three pillars that Amazon builds their business on. But I think that's kind of cool. You know, we have to, to use the Wayne Gretzky metaphor. We have to skate where the puck is headed, you know, not where it is now. Right. But also there's so many things you can't predict. Like even if you're the smartest person on the planet and, and who could argue, is there any entrepreneur smarter than Jeff Bezos? He's always thinking about what could happen, but he's really building his business and focusing on the things that won't change. I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Dice is, is the most visible of the founders of Digital Marketer, but Roland is the one sort of in this, the silent one in the background that if you can get a chance to, to see him talk, um, he spends very, very large and weird, weirdly long amounts of time studying certain things. And one of them right now is Amazon that he's studying so closely. Yep. Yep. Super cool. So, all right. So we're ready for uh, your second takeaway or number three overall. Yeah. So, so I really enjoyed the interview I did with Casper mattress company who, you know, if you haven't heard of them is just obviously taken, you know, a, a very boring product like mattresses and made a, a really lovable fun brand um, really, really interesting content marketing case study there. Um, and we had the director of content on the stage and he, you know, one of the things I asked him about was why does Casper, if you guys go to their website, just check it out. I mean, they build a, a, a tremendous amount of content around how their product functions. Like how does memory foam work? You know, how did they decide on this particular, you know, configuration of the mattress or, you know, uh, just a lot of information around the science R and D and just kind of roughly like how this product works and why it's better. And I thought that was really, really interesting and asked the guy and he said, Oh my God, that, that kind of content just crushes for us. And it reminded me of, you know, an old ad that, that uh, I don't know when it's from, but it's actually hanging on the wall in the digital marketer office. We have, we have old ads um, hanging up there, you know, old no classic. Kidding? That's awesome. Yeah, old classic ads. It's so funny. I, uh, uh, for Christmas. So we, we went to this, uh, my wife and I went to this antique store mm -hmm. and I bought all these magazines that I wanted to get old ads from. Mm -hmm. And so then my, my mother-in-law framed them. So I would look for good direct response, you yep. know, ads from like the fifties, sixties, seventies. Uh, that's awesome. I, th I think those those things are classics. Yeah, and there's one from I think it's Schlitz Beer Company um, where they did this ad around you know how the the beer is brewed and you know where they get the water from and you know how they the artesian how wells they, or something like that or however you say that yeah yeah and, and so it's 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 a really really interesting ad that 
you know, when the, you know, the story goes that the, that the advertiser, uh, and I can't, you know, a lot of the details I don't remember, and you can look this up, but, um, in terms of who the advertiser was, but, um, the story goes that, you know, they got the, the, the owner, the company was like, everybody brews their beer this way. And it's like, yeah, but no one's telling that story. Right. And, and so, what I see Casper doing through their content marketing and, and being able to sell these physical products, these mattresses, pillows, whatever else is showing how the product works. It's worth testing in your business too. Yeah. I love that. And, and uh, I love that Schlitzbeer example too, that, that education, you know, it, it does add to the experience. I think what we often dismiss as being old hat or uninteresting can be extremely fascinating to the customer and actually in, enhance their experience. So if I know how this mattress was made and the science behind it and why it's the coolest night's sleep or whatever their claim is, then I'm probably going to enjoy it uh, a little bit more. And I think that that becomes clear. Like as you point out to people what they're going to experience, they will experience that. And uh, one one other example kind of related to that, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Gary Vee content lately and uh, listen to this one uh, podcast where he had some other entrepreneurs on and they were all tasting wine, right? And so he talked about the importance of getting a good sniff of the wines, like putting your nose in the glass and smelling it. And then he was describing like what you would smell and then, and then what you would taste because the fact that you smelled it. It's one of those things where it's like, man, even if you don't like wine, as you hear him talk mm. about it, you're like, dude, I, I got to try that. That sounds, that sounds right. you know, amazing. And, and that would lead to a totally different experience than if someone just handed you a glass of wine. You're like, here, taste this. Um, so, okay, phenomenal. That's a, that's a great, that's a great example. So ready for my number two, which would be number four overall, uh, our mutual friend, Mike Rhodes from Web Savvy. Yep. He's uh, one of my favorite Australians. Uh, this dude's, dude's super sharp. He was on the mm -hmm. podcast a number of episodes ago. It was actually a really, really popular podcast, but he talked about the bots, uh, the bots, uh, the, bots the Google, the bots are coming. And specifically, he was talking about DeepMind. And DeepMind is an AI company that Google bought a few years ago for $480 million. And this company had zero dollars in revenue. Uh, but it did have the smartest, some of the smartest AI scientists in the world. And so they built this AI platform that basically you can feed it small amounts of information on, hey, here's how you win at this game. And so he gave the example of a really complex game called Go, which I don't really understand. It's like chess on steroids, you know, times 10. Yeah. And then he also talked about even this little video game that they that, that uploaded to, to DeepMind and said, here's the score, optimize for the score. And within a day, it was creating scores with this little Atari game that no human could possibly achieve. And so uh, the whole concept here is that now DeepMind is in AdWords. Mm -hmm. And so DeepMind has been looking at AdWords data now for a couple of years. And so it's getting really, really, really smart. And so now as you look at things like enhanced CPCs or even target ROAS, target return on ad spend bidding, this is where the bot comes in and can assist with bidding optimization. Now, this is something that can be a little bit scary for people like me, right? I, I run an agency where we help right. companies with their AdWords and with their Google Shopping. Uh, but really, it, it doesn't scare me because I think, uh, and then the AI is not perfect. There's still some cases where it does not help you. It, it can actually do the opposite. But it is getting better and it is interesting. And I think as as it becomes more reliable, as it creates results that humans can't match, 
then we as marketers just shift our attention to the next thing. We work on strategy. We work mm -hmm. on good ad copy. We work on other things. And let maybe the bots take care of some things that really we couldn't we couldn't match. So I thought that was a really powerful presentation and, and he's a super good presenter as well. So, all right, back to you. Do you have something to add to that? Well, I'm just saying like Mike's been talking about you know, the bots are coming for a long time, but I, you know, you can see it, you see it in Facebook, you see it in, you know, uh, AdWords. I mean, some of the most, um, most of the money being spent on artificial intelligence is being spent by private companies like Google and Facebook to try to figure out how to sell more stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and one of yeah. the, one of the little examples that Mike gave just to add a little context you know, as we're building out uh, bids for our clients, you know, we'll look at things like audiences. You mentioned audiences before, uh, behavior that, that someone has online, things like that. We'll look at even day of the week and maybe time of day and stuff like that. Well, what DeepMind can do is it can also look at, hey, I'm on my mobile phone, mobile device and I just moved into an area that's now uh, 3G instead of LTE and I'm not very likely to make a purchase right now because it's so slow. Or maybe I've moved to where I've got like one bar and so I'm really not likely to purchase. So it could adjust the bid based on that. It, could it can adjust the bid based on so many factors that we could never take fully into account. Yep. So uh, my my next one uh, comes from the interview with Racked uh, racked.com, which is, uh, one of Vox media's properties and they are selling physical products, mainly, you know, clothing and things like that. But from a content perspective, um, one of the things that really sort of solidified my head at this event was that I think it's about time to start saying that curation of content is, is at least as powerful or more powerful now than even producing your own original content. So if you look at a what a lot of, you know, larger properties are doing, they are not producing much original content. Instead, they're going around curating what other people are producing, maybe adding some context or adding some opinion to it. But in a lot of cases, it's just going around and curating because it's just getting to be such a tremendous volume of content on the internet that what a lot of readers need um, or people consuming content online need is just somebody to say, this is what you should pay attention to, right? I've done the work for you to sift through a lot of the garbage. Here's a curated list of you know, articles to read or swimsuits to look at. So whether it's, you know, curating products or services or just curating other content or whatever you're curating, there's a, it's, it's become super valuable and is getting a lot of attention um, just by people are getting a lot of attention just by curating um, all, you know, just sifting through all the garbage out there. Yeah, I love that concept. And 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 how how do you think Racked is doing that well? I have not I've not followed them as closely as I have some other retailers, but what what do you think they're particularly good at? What they're particularly good at is is gaining the trust of their reader by you know, so Racked Racked monetizes through affiliate links. Um, you know, they have an audience and um, you know, they'll go out there and say, you know, here's the best 20, you know, pairs of shoes for fall. Right. And, you know, what they've what they've been really good at is that Vox Media, the larger parent company that owns Racked and owns a lot of other media properties, has not pressured their their editorial team to only link to things that where they can make an affiliate commission. Instead, what they've said is go out there, find the best fall shoes, the best um, 
you know, the best athletic wear, the best swimsuits or whatever it is, and just list those things. And if you can um, link up as an affiliate, then do that. But that is not what's driving your editorial. So, and what that's done is it's, it's created a very classy um, website that, you know, and they've gained the trust of a, of a lot of readers. You know, you've, we've all been on that site where you're like, you know, uh, you're looking for the best toaster in the world, right? You know, so you're like, I got to buy a new toaster. I'm going to go on there and type in toaster reviews or, you know, which toaster should I buy? And, and you end up on a website that's like, this is a very veiled, you know, affiliate site that is trying to set me up to buy one or two different types of toasters where they're going to get a commission, right? That is exactly opposite of what Racked is doing. They're they're literally, again, curating what's out there in the market, sifting through the garbage. And if they're able to attach a commission to something, then great. If not, they go ahead and publish it anyway. I love it. Content first, earning the trust of of the consumer yeah. first. And then at that point, so if, if, if we know that, man, this is consistently good content, good recommendations, then... As consumers, we don't mind at all if you make a commission here and there. Yeah. Like you, you got, you got to make money. You got to exist as a business, sure. and so, uh, but having that uh, that integrity of just recommending what's best uh, is super cool. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at their site right now. One of their headlines is "How late is too late to buy to buy into a trend." Uh, I'm not going to read that one because I know I will be sorely disappointed <laughs> because yeah. I, I would be the one that's way, way late in buying into a trend, uh, painfully late, and uh, ignorance is bliss in this case. Hey, Brett Curry here. A quick note from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the episode. So our primary underwriter is OMG Commerce, the company that I'm the co-founder and CEO of. And as many of you know, we are a Google premier partner. And in 2016, we were one of the fastest growing premier partners in the entire world. Very proud of that. And so we build full funnel campaigns for e-commerce companies. So search, shopping, video, display campaigns, we build those out. It is now time to get ready for the holidays. And so I've got two free offers for you, a resource and then an offer. And let me talk about the, the resource first. So we just recorded a webinar with our two Google reps. So our two reps flew into our headquarters here in Springfield, Missouri. We recorded a webinar, the ultimate guide to holiday prep. We talk about campaign structure. We talk about smart bidding. We talk about budgets. We talk about feed readiness and a host of other things, some new stuff coming from Google. It's a fantastic webinar. If you'll go to omgcommerce.com forward slash learn, you'll see a link to download that webinar. I suggest you check it out, share it with your team completely free of charge. The other thing is we would love to schedule a strategy session with you. So if you feel like your campaigns are not quite ready for the holidays, we'd love to schedule a strategy session, look at how your full funnel approach is looking right now, provide suggestions, provide feedback, and potential ways we could help. So if you'd like to schedule that strategy session, go to omgcommerce.com, click on Get Started, and there'll be a form there to schedule a strategy session. Love to connect with you. And with that, back to the episode. Okay, so that, that was your third. Uh, so time for my third or number six overall. This this comes from the opening keynote, and I, and I really enjoyed this. This was Ryan Dice. I always enjoy his uh, keynotes. But he talked about how do you compete with Amazon. And he said something that when it first came out of his mouth, I was like, uh, dude, how are you going to back this one up? Because it was a little bit, sounded a little bit counterintuitive. He said, you know, Amazon is all about being customer centric, but you can beat them at their own game. And so immediately my thought was, well, now, wait a minute, you know, we're not going to be able to beat them on price, not going to be able to beat them on selection. 
you know, not going to be able to beat delivery uh, in, in most cases. But what he was talking about was how can you be customer centric? You're not going to beat them on, on those in those three areas. But that's not always what really matters to a client, right? So he talked about the way you can beat Amazon is by loving your customer more, by providing more value. And so that, that really can come down to content and experience, right? So the one thing that, that Amazon or, or the, the several things that Amazon does well, you know, selection, price, delivery, all that, if you know what you're looking for and you go in and do, conduct a search, nobody's better than Amazon. But if you just want to kind of discover things, if you just want to kind of explore and look, it's not the best. Amazon is definitely not the best. Right. Um, and so he gave some some great examples, um, you know, makeup tutorials, uh, talking about survival life, which is a, a native commerce brand. But for people that are all about survival and being outdoors and preparedness and preppers and things like that, like you could go and find some of the products there that are on Amazon, but you don't get the education, you don't get the experience, you don't have videos, you don't have people that have become kind of celebrities in those spaces offering tips and suggestions and ideas and things like that. So thinking about how do I love my customer more, give them an experience that, that's really hard for someone else to create, hard for someone else to match, and, and that's how you can win. So yeah, but that was great advice. Yep, super interesting. So my number, what is this, number seven? This is number seven, yep, you're, yep, yep. Overall. Mm-hmm. So my next one comes from a, an interview I did, a dual interview I did with Racked.com, who we talked about in the last one, but also with a, a brand called Rulala. And Rulala.com is commerce first. So they're, they're a you know typical e-com site. They they also sell things in, in the fashion space. And then you have Racked.com, which is very publisher first. So they're more of a, you know, you would think of them um, as, you know, a magazine. Um, and But the thing is that what I realized while interviewing the two of them is that you could be a publisher first, right? If that's what your core competency is, like Racked, you know, is to produce content, then that's great. They went out and partnered with other people um, through affiliate relationships and other things so that they can sell products, right? Because that's not their, that's not what they do. Like they don't, they don't sell and ship products. They they refer people on to other people and they and they pick up a new revenue stream there. Um, and then on Rulala's side, um, they they were very good at you know in in the ecom space. Um, and they went and went out and partnered with people to to get content. So they they went out and syndicated content from. Uh, sites like Pure Wow and Fashionista and things like that is cut deals to be able to publish their content on their site. And then they were able to start adding a revenue stream over on the publisher side by really selling uh, native advertising to to their customers. Um, so I think the key was on both sides, what you, what they had in common is was that they had an audience. You know, they they had both built up an audience on the racked side. They had built up an audience of readers and trusted sort of people consuming content. And on Rulala's side, they had built up a, a a customer list, people that had bought physical products. And they were just able to sort of bolt on, you know, either publishing on the Rulala side or e-com on the racked side. So I think it's the the lesson for me was figure out what you're good at and then get out there and partner with with other people that can either add the con uh, the content side or the commerce side. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I, one of my favorite books, favorite business books, is "Good to Great" by Jim Collins. You know, classic. Yep. 
but he talks about what can you be world class at and and focus mm-hmm. on that. And I remember that was a huge shift in our business about seven years ago, where we were looking at we were doing all kinds of things on, with online marketing. We realized, man, we're really good at search, like search and traffic. We're not good at website design and all these other things we're trying to do. Uh, so, what can you be world class at? And I think that's still a question we need to ask, and every business owner needs to ask. And then, and then put your focus there. Um, and then maybe kind of a hybrid, and we'd be curious to, to get your take on on this company if, if you're familiar with them, but Huckberry.com, would they maybe mm-hmm. kind of be in the middle or would you lean them more on the content I'm side? Not, I'm not super familiar with them, but okay. why don't we, start, we circle back to that in a minute and I'll have a look at it while you're going through your next okay. one. And okay. can- yeah, and, and just kind of a, a teaser, they, uh, they're one of those sites where you can't just get on and browse you you get on and, and sign up with with facebook or or via email and then they email you like this curated list of products and you know they don't they don't manufacture the products but the the, the copy the ad copy or the, the email copy is phenomenal you know i keep getting these these emails about these uh, desert boots and i'm like dude i've got to buy these boots they're just they look phenomenal but anyway yeah yeah check check them out love the game I, i've already opted in okay good good you'll you'll love the copy you'll totally geek out on the the copy so um good all right i think we're time i think we're ready for number eight numero ocho this comes from our good buddy ezra firestone get ready to hang out with him in a couple of days we're going to create some you know going to create some google traffic video magic that that will be uh released uh, in the not too distant future but uh, ezra's presentation he had several of them but he talked about Facebook ads sending people to Facebook Messenger and getting people connected to Facebook Messenger. He also talked a little bit about Facebook Messenger bots. And so this is another bot uh, takeaway, I suppose. But, but ultimately, the, the coolest part about this for me was looking at, okay, we, we, we can run ads and get someone to opt into an email list. We can run an ad to get someone to purchase right away. But what if we got them to take some sort of small action, maybe for an offer or for an event that we're running? And when they clicked to get more information on that event, that caused them to subscribe to us or connect to us via Messenger. And so, so now, so with the skincare line, boom, by Cindy Joseph or Be Friendly, they'll offer these you know, limited window discounts, freebies, things like that. And when you respond to the ad, you're now connected to them with Facebook Messenger. And so what that does is then then usually if they click on the ad to, to reply, they'll usually take advantage of the offer, but now they're connected on, on Messenger and now you can promote to them other things and engage in a conversation with them. And it's just one of those areas where there's not as much noise and not as much uh, uh, you know pollution from other marketers is, is using Facebook book Messenger. You gotta, gotta protect it, right? You don't wanna spam people, but if you get that, that person to say, yes, I'll connect with you on Facebook Messenger just opens up another channel. So I thought that talk was really interesting. And, and while I see huge opportunities for e-commerce for that, I even maybe think about for our business, like, you know, us getting leads and using, using Facebook Messenger ads. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, at, at Digital Marketer, we're super, um, you know, excited about Facebook Messenger. We're testing a lot, a lot of different things, but at the bottom line is what we're looking to do is grow the number of people that are subscribed to uh, us via Messenger. And and the way to do that is just what you said, you know, have them, as soon as they start to engage with you on Messenger, they're essentially subscribed right now. Um, So we use a tool called ManyChat to kind of manage that list. I mean, it's almost very, it's very similar to, 
you know, a Weber or MailChimp or constant contact or something, except it's for messenger, right? And it's a way to manage your, um, your list via messenger, be able to, you know, set up automated responses and, uh, send, uh, broadcasts to anybody subscribed to you via messenger. So definitely something to take a look at as we roll into 2018, because, you know, like you just said, it, it's sort of wide open right now. It's super easy to grow a list over there because there's not a lot of noise yet. Yeah, ManyChat, that was the tool, as we mentioned, I think that's one he uses as well. And mm-hmm. so any any tips or takeaways, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but if but if you've had some experience here on, on ways that engaging with someone on Messenger differs from, say, email communication? Well, I mean, one of the metrics we're starting to measure here at Digital Market is something called cost per conversation. So um, what we're, you know, so you got cost per lead, you got cost per acquisition, you got different metrics like that. One of the things we're measuring is cost per conversation. How many, how much does it cost us to start a conversation? It doesn't have to just be through messenger. Um, but yeah, this is a very personal type thing. We have people sitting there manning our messenger uh, right now um, awesome. during, yeah. during work hours. And if you don't have that, really what you do is you use many chat to kind of set up a, um, a quick bot that just says, you know, and, and, and one tip would be don't try to pretend like it's not a bot, right? Instead, right. you know, yep. make it fun that it's a bot. You know, this is the, this is the OMG bot, you know, or whatever it is. And then, you know, let them know that, you know, you're not on here live right now, but that you could come back to them. You could use it to, to gather information, um, ask them a few questions, maybe to qualify that lead. Um, or to qualify that person. But there's really getting to be um, the functionality inside of tools like ManyChat and some of the things that Facebook's just added natively to Messenger. Um, there's really getting to be no end to what, um, from an e-com perspective, a lot of people are sending receipts through here and invoices and things like that. Uh, there's really just kind of no end to what Messenger, I think, is ultimately going to be, um, which is, you know, it's not, it's not an email killer, but it's it's certainly it, this is the most interesting thing that I have seen in digital since ad retargeting came around. Um, you know, it's it's a significant significant uh, change in in digital is what Facebook is doing with Messenger. So there's just so much to it. it we could do a whole show on it. Obviously, De- definitely, yeah, and, I, and we we ought to do that. And and I really like how you guys look at that. Look at the cost per conversation because and this mm-hmm. is something that I talked about. In my presentation, Mike Rhodes talked about in his presentation, looking at attribution, right? And in this, this mindset that we have to break out of where everyone is still thinking last click, right? And so right. what's the click that led to the conversion? That's the only click I care about. Well, that doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Like we, that conversation has to be started. Someone has to be introduced to your brand and your product and they have to visit multiple times and then they purchase. So what's that cost per con- conversation? I, I love that. And no, and no, and just to just to put another finer point on that, I mean that the the conversations that we're generating can come through email, LinkedIn, Messenger, over the phone, like however you start conversations. Um, because you know, at Digital Marketer, we believe that you know if you're selling something like pens and pencils and things like that, where people just straight up convert right through a product page and it's pretty transactional and things like that, that's one thing. But you know, if you're selling something that's a little more consultative. Um, your really your goal should be to start conversations with people, qualify them, and either move them along to the right, you know, sort of that go to know strategy where it's like, you know, how do I how do I figure out whether you're a good fit, 
and whether I'm a good fit for you, you're a good fit for me. And and the more conversations like that, that you can start up, whether it's through, you know, intercom, which is something we use on our website to start conversations or, you know, through messenger or through, you know, LinkedIn or however you're starting those conversations. That, that's a really good goal to have um, is to how many conversations can I start today? Yep. And, and, and you're absolutely right there. You know, if you're selling kind of a commodity product, a product that's just easy to say yes to, and you don't really yeah. need much information, I'm buying toilet paper, I'm buying, right. you know, paper, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but really, I, I don't think it's even so much about the price point, because I think you could even look at things like skincare or some apparel, sure. even, even some things that, that are discounted where... Yeah, I still, but I still have questions. I still want to know, like, will right. it work with my skin type? And, uh, you know, will, will it make me look younger? And then does, you know, will I be allergic to it and things like that? Um, so, so engaging in those conversations, super, super helpful. Uh, I believe we're ready for number nine. So number back nine. to you, Russ. So number nine came from an interview I did with Chegg.com. Chegg.com, uh, if you looked at them five years ago, you would have said, um, this company sells used textbooks on the internet, right? To, to college students. Um, uh, but around five years ago, uh, they got basically attacked by, by Amazon. Um, just like a lot of companies have where Amazon entered the market that they were in. Um, they started selling used textbooks, basically just like, um, you know, one of Bezos most uh, tongue in cheek, but I think very serious lines is, your margin is my opportunity. Absolutely. Yep. He means it. And he means that like he went, came in, evaporated the margin in that business. And pretty much everybody proclaimed that check.com, uh, was dead. Um, but, um, the story that we told from that, from that, in, in that interview, um, with the, uh, chief of business operations that Chegg was that, and not only did they survive, but they have thrived since then. And the way they did it was by turning, you know, what at one time was a four day relationship with their customer into a 10 year relationship with their customer. And uh, to explain that, you know, at one time, Chegg was a used textbook business. They were defining their business by the product. Like they, they were about textbooks. That's what they were. Uh, there was four days out of a year where they dealt with their customer. It was the day they bought the books, the day they returned the books. Um, for first semester. And then it was the day they bought the books and returned the books for second semester. So each year they had four days uh, out of that year, you know, to, to actually work with that customer. What they started to realize was that we're not in the business of selling textbooks. We're in the business of serving students before, um, during and after their college years. Right. So they started to look at all of the pain points from middle school all the way up to that first job right? When you come out of school and you get a job. So now they're in homework help. Uh, they're in, they're, they're in internships. Um, they're just, they're providing so many more services. Um, and what's really interesting about this is when I asked, um, John, uh, about, um, what the role of the textbook business is today is twofold. The first one is customer acquisition. They still acquire a lot of customers that come in that looking for textbooks. But the second one is just data, right? So if I know that you came in and you bought, you know, the advanced calculus book, I can now start to tailor my, my marketing around the fact that I know, you know, I know a lot of things about you. I can sort of geo map where you came from. I can, and, and I know you bought this book. Um, 
I know, you know, sort of what, where the pain points are in calculus, right? So I can start to craft my marketing. And there are many that. of them, by the way, many, many pain yeah, points many. in calculus. <laughs> so, so anyway, it was, it was a super inter interesting interview about how they survived essentially an Amazon attack by essentially understanding that they weren't in the textbook business. They, they didn't define their business by their product. They defined it by their market. And if you can, if you're listening to this and you can think about, you know, you can almost like take a, a pencil or and a paper right at the top of your product underneath that. If you start to, if you write who you sell that product to, who the market is and start to define your business by that market, what else can you offer them? What else, whether it's for free uh, in, an, in an effort to raise awareness for what you're doing or whether it's additional products and services, that's what Chegg did to not just survive an Amazon attack, but to thrive after it. Yeah, super impressive. I got to meet John as well in, in the in the green room. Had a good chat with him. Super sharp guy. And and what an inspiring, what an inspiring talk and what an inspiring example. Because I think most of us at some point in time in our career, our core business will be attacked. Maybe not to this degree where you know Amazon has you squarely in their sights and is coming after you. Although probably if you're in e-commerce, that, that's going to happen. And so for them to, to have the, the courage and the foresight and, the, and the, the ability to say, hey, it's not, this is not just about textbooks. We've, our, our biggest asset is this group of customers that trust us and know us, we have a connection with. What else, how else can we serve them? How else can we help them? And then shifting to, hey, if, if no one's going to make money off textbooks, fine. We'll keep doing it just to build a relationship and then sell tutoring and, and help with homework mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and just really, really brilliant. I, I go back to the, uh, and you're, you're a St. Louis guy, so you'll appreciate this, but I remember doing the, uh, St. Louis, the, uh, Anheuser-Busch brewery tour. Yep. And, and hearing the tour guide talk about prohibition uh -huh. and how, you know, during prohibition, Hey, uh, Augie Bush, uh, it's now illegal to sell your product. And so mm -hmm. the, what I heard was he didn't lay off a single employee. They just shifted gears, started producing yeast, started making other things. Uh, I did hear, hear a rumor from somebody that they were probably still, you know, pushing beer out the back door. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Mm -hmm, uh, but, but still that ability to say, okay, you took away my core business, but I, I still have assets and I still have relationships mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm going to make this work. So Yep. Super, super inspiring. Um, this one, so my uh, number five, which is number 10 overall, and these are in no particular order, but this worked out well because this is a nice tie-in to the point you just made. Um, and this came from the Casper interview. So and what was the gentleman's yeah. name from Casper? Do you remember? Michael McCutcheon. Yeah. My, yeah. The dude was super sharp. So Bill Cover and I, one of my team members, we sat in on that one and I forgot my laptop. So I, was, I, I really wish I could have taken better notes, but Really sharp guy, uh, shared several things that were super interesting. One was the, uh, they, they bought this semi-trailer and built it into, was it called the Napmobile or the? The Napmobile. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. really cool design, but just a, like a tractor trailer with, with all these little nap pods built into it. And so they would go around and educate people on the importance of sleep and you could crawl in and check it out. And of course they got press and, People talking about mm -hmm. it and they drove around the country. Amazing social media presence there. What it really stimulated too was people, you know, hey, the nap pod is in my area. I'm gonna get a selfie with me in a, in one of the pods mm -hmm. and I'm gonna talk about it and and put it on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. So it was a huge win. But but the the, the ultimate takeaway, so it was a tactical thing that worked really well. But the 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 real piece, the real takeaway that that I got from his talk was 
and very similar to what Chegg said. He said, you know, we're not a mattress company. We're not in the mattress business, even though they've got, you know, one of the most popular mattresses on the market today. He said, we're a sleep company. And mm-hmm. so we believe that sleep is a, a pillar of overall wellness. We believe that more and more people are going to be talking about sleep and, and, and investing in sleep and, and understanding the importance of, of sleep. And so we're a sleep company. And, and that also, if you think about it, that also then can, can lead into other, other products, you know, pillows, which yep. I already offer, but, but sheets and other things that they just help people with sleep and how that improves their lives. And so uh, I love, you know, your example from Casper where he's talking about the technology and the science behind the product. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's all to, to allow for better sleep. So I thought that was super powerful. Understand what business you're in. Understand your true assets and then capitalize on that. So there you go. Man, 10. Those were, I got to say, Russ, those, those were pretty good, dude. That top was, 10 takeaways. Top 10, like baby. Like David Letterman. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was, that was phenomenal. So uh, what I would also like for you to do, Russ, and, and uh, you know, we'll definitely be there. We're already talking to Carrie and kind of getting our booth set up and everything. But, but Traffic and Conversion Summit coming mm-hmm. up. It's not too early to plug. That'll be in February of 18, I believe it is, end of February 18. Yeah, last few days of February 26th yeah. to the 28th. Yeah, so you want to give a quick plug on what is TNC and, and who should attend? Well, I mean, if you're if you're looking for what's working now in in digital marketing, you, you should be at TNC um, because you know we always like to say everything has changed again. Um, we we you know our conferences tend to be intermediate to advanced content on. Uh, digital marketing, we don't have really, you know, you know this, Brett, because I talked to you about your own sessions that they need to be super tactical, that people need to be able to walk out and be able to apply things to their business. We don't do a whole ton of, you know, touchy feely type stuff um, in terms of like, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's do, there are other conferences for that. This is a very, very tactical, what's working now in digital marketing. Um, and, um, you know, basically every, these are not professional speakers that, that you come see at TNC, although, um, they're very good speakers. They're not pro speakers that are designed, you know, to try to tug your heartstrings or anything like that. These are practitioners that are in the trenches working in digital marketing. Um, like yourself, uh, you'll be on stage at TNC if we can get you out there, um, and, um, talking about what's working now for your business and your clients. Um, and so we kind of have this rule where it's like, you got to open up the kimono, man. You got to share what's working. And when we all do that, man, does it create for uh, a really amazing event? Everybody wins uh, when you do that. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll attest the speakers are, are good. And kind of once you see uh, as a speaker, once I see someone else sharing a ton of information, I, I kind of feel like I, I've got to one up them. And so it's like, <laughs> all right, what, what new cool thing are we doing that I don't tell anybody else that I've got to tell at, at this event? And so we literally yeah. do that. We, we, that's a strategy. I mean, we, we literally have a, 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 a one session every year at TNC called Wicked Smart where everybody votes on what was the most wicked smart thing. So, you, you know, you use a little bit of competition to get people to say like, uh, I need to one up this other guy, like or this other gal in terms of like how wicked smart this one tactic was. So it's super, super like tactical, like tips and tricks during that session. Awesome. Good stuff. So TNC traffic and conversion summit, there'll be a link in the show notes. Check it out. Highly recommend it. Russ Henneberry was my guest. Russ, 
Thanks, man. This has been a ton of fun. Really appreciate you doing this. Anytime, man. It was great. All right. Until next time, thanks everybody for tuning in. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of or less of. Would love your feedback. And until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.